will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. All right, welcome back. That's Bruce Stanley. Glad to be here. I'm Adam Comer. This is Life After Addiction. Hey, guys, we are so thankful that you are listening. As always, hey, it really helps us out uh, if you subscribe or comment or rate this podcast. It really helps us out with the podcast uh, algorithms. I don't even know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Bruce. But I know it's good when you go and do that. If you like and share and yeah, It helps and for more people to know, yeah. you know the good stuff we're, we're sharing. Yeah, and as always, we love and welcome feedback, comments, suggestions for episodes. That's info at spring2life.net. But today, today, Bruce, we're going to talk about being still in adversity. Whoo-wee. Yeah, that's a tough one, especially as men. Yeah, yeah. Being still in adversity. Why don't you lead us in? Yeah, well, you know, I think men, we're just designed to fight. You know, we're, we're designed to take care of business. Yeah, you know, business. And, and so we're doers. You know, we're, we're, the, we're the hunters. You know, we're the, the ones that provide. We're the, all this stuff that God made for us to be in the right way. Uh, we tend to use in the wrong way. And and so it's very difficult. A lot of the guys that have come out of our program still fight with this stuff. And we talk about this stuff on a daily basis sometimes, even with the guys that are in our program. And yeah. I'll kind of wrap it in, in a scenario like this. So I've, I've been in a bubble at rehab. Mm. And I heard this a thousand times. Everything that's been poured into me, I've been receiving and I've been growing and I've been changing. But the world that I left is exactly the same that's right. when I left it. When I get back out into that world, uh, people aren't going to know the things that's changed in my life, especially those who are near and dear to me. And the first adversity we're going to conf- be confronted with are, are those who want to challenge or maybe just question, you know, our growth and, yeah. and things that may have or may not have changed in our lives. So because it's all, everybody's dealing with trust issues, right? Yeah. Because let's face it, we've, we've done some things in the wreckage of our addiction that has caused many people to not trust us. I mean, that's fair to say. Um, but what ends up happening a lot of times is that we go out kind of with our fists up. Uh, just ready to get start receiving punches, and we're not willing to take them. And so, when we're faced with that adversity, usually what we want to do is fight back. And I'm not saying fighting back like physically or meaning people harm or even even with an agenda to hurt people back, but just to defend ourselves, you know, and maybe to say, you know, that's not me anymore, or I've learned from that, or you know, give me a chance. I want to prove myself again, or these types of things. And so a lot of times we end up doing things that are in a proving nature. Mm, Good point. And the things that we'll say with our mouths will will be to uh, possibly correct people. And here's one thing that I'll say, just for the sake of of those who are, are trying that are earnest to do it the right way, and that 
you know, we're wanting to share with people the 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 good things that God had shared with us. Yeah. And and righteously, we're just wanting to share that, and we want to say that to the people that we love, so that they would know in the same way that we've grown that they might be able to grow. Um, but they haven't received that, yeah. and and the way they receive it most likely is that you're better than them. You're trying to teach them when when you're the one who's in the wrong because of all the things that you've done, and and what gives you the right to try to bring, you know, scripture to me or. Uh, the things that God has taught you that, you know, you're implying that I should do and these types of things. And it's just not going to set well, yeah. even though your motives may be all good. Um, and so God tells us to be still. And I want to uh, make a comment based on something I said in two episodes ago where I, I said that God wants us not to wait. Yeah. Uh, what I meant in the context of what I was saying there was that sometimes we got to do stuff. Yeah while we wait on God. And and God never wants us to be still in the sense of sitting on our hands. Sitting on our hands, yeah. not praying, not doing anything. Not I mean there are things that God wants us to do in stillness. Yeah. And and this is what we're going to talk about today. So I'm not contradicting myself. Yeah. And and what God wants us to do in stillness is to trust that He is working on others in the midst of what He has us doing. And that it is not our job to prove ourselves to others um, in the way we would typically go about doing that. Like, I'm going to do something so that they see it. Yeah, then, I was going to say, that's another then, way. Of, you, you talk about the guys, the first adversity, and then they to prove themselves, so they're using words. I've also seen guys and girls, but got people overly trying to do works to prove I'm a different person. And it's like, dude, they're burning out, man. They're just all these things and on to the next, I'm doing all these great things, but here's the heart check. Here's the, here's the meter of what was your motive. If, if there's not like recognition or, um, uh, attaboy or, you know, just if it's not noticed and somewhere in your heart, you feel as though you're failing. And so you're like, I, I just challenge there. Check your heart and why you're doing these. Now, we just talked about being righteous and doing things. But, yeah, just check check your motives and why. If you're called to do something, do it. But it's not you're not called to do everything. Yeah. Right? And we did an episode a while back, I think, first season about, you know, proving yourself and, and trying to do these yeah. things the wrong way. But what what I'm trying to focus on here is that. Uh, there's a lot of things sometimes that we haven't allowed ourselves to forgive, yeah, uh, which is a big thing about others, and even rightfully knowing that hey, on their side of the street they've got to grow, they've got to do some things, they've got to recognize some parts that they were playing in all of this. But it's not my place to point those things out. In fact, the more I try to do that, the worse it's going to end up for me. Yeah, and what I have to do is I have to do what God's calling me to do. And trust that God is working those things out. In fact, the Bible talks about in relationships between a husband and a wife specifically that the one spouse could lead the other spouse to salvation simply not doing by doing that, but by living out their own faith and the other recognizing that. Um, and, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But there's an opportunity there that if you do it the right way, which is living out your faith— not trying to correct other people or even pointing out the things that they've done wrong um, in the sense of how they have to grow like you've grown 
or wanting them to Good be point. up to speed up that you're at in your faith where they're not. And, to your standard, yeah. Yeah, and that kind of stuff. So that You've got to trust that God's working those things out. What will happen more than, than not is those things will be accomplished if you don't do it that way and instead live those things out yourself, mm. doing the things that you know you can do in your own faith that God has called you to do and that you believe to be true, and that's why you do it. Not because you're trying to get accepted by somebody else. You're not trying to prove something to somebody else. You're not trying to gain value or, or understanding or, or change other people to your liking. Um, in fact, one of the things I noticed more often than not, and I experienced this, I think every Christian experienced this early on in their faith, is that guys who are in the program, they've been there probably more than 42 days, and they've had some good growth. And they're spiritually, and they're gaining knowledge. And one of the things that comes uh, with that is you start recognizing all the things around you that are not where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you didn't notice those things before because they were so common to you because you, you yourself were doing them. And But now you've, you've gravitated towards the other side of the street, and you're now looking across the street, and you're going, wow, I mean— and you're not even saying to yourself, well, I have grace for them because I used to do that same stuff. You're just saying, man, they, they shouldn't be doing that. Mm. You know, God didn't teach us that. And, you know, uh, you get frustrated. And we can do that with the people that we love, yeah. too. And God says, no, that's not the way you do it. And, uh, man, I see it happens a lot with marriages where the spouse was really hurt, but yet they haven't left the person who's coming into our program. And we do a lot of family counseling you know, as recovery coaches as well as working with the student. And we do our best to try to create hope in those situations and present things that are going that going on that show recovery, but that the other person just isn't ready yeah. to receive it yet. They're still so angry, still so bitter, still don't trust the other person. And they're almost just waiting, like in ambush for the person to do something wrong so they can just point out that they, they'll never be able to trust them again and why this relationship has to end. Um, and that's unfortunate. But I will say that there's still hope even in those situations. And the way you you tackle that kind of adversity is by doing the thing that God calls you to do in stillness. You do what God's asking you to do. And, and you receive like a punching bag sometimes if you have to, mm. the things that come at you in adversity. And you receive them out of love. And you say, I understand how you feel that way. Yeah. So here, here's what I think ultimately it's like, hey, uh, is your trust in God or man? You know, so it, it, am I able to do this stillness? And if so, it's because I trust that what God says is true and his promises are real. And um, it, it's believing in that. So it's faith and trust is the words we're using. But but as we opened it, we talked about it, especially for men. And, and as we've kind of fleshed this out, i it hit me too. Here's an, I'm about to say an area that it is for all, right? And it's for men and women, but this, this area of being still really encapsulate humans. Uh, and so when we say adversity, we say, I mean, it could be anything. Challenge. Challenge, loss, arguments, job, whatever it is. And an example of not being still is worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And man, that, that addiction, not addiction, you know, whatever. I mean, you're, if you're listening to this, never had an addiction, I think we just hit you, right? We're stepping on your toes because we're stepping on our toes, <laughs> right? Uh, but 
worry and and you're not being still and what does the verse in psalm say be still and know that i am god right mm-hmm. my name will be uh proclaimed in all the nations right be still and know that i am god and so when you are worrying it is yet again it is it's a lack of trust and worry and anxiety and tr- and and that kind of stuff it just cripples us as believers and it is the i think i think maybe more so than anything maybe the number one rob robber thief of our stillness right mm-hmm. our our peace inside of what god's called us to in the face of adversity and it gets us nowhere yeah and i was say kind of we spoke about paradoxes in the last episode and the bible's full of them and i think what is so hard to understand in these things. And what I mean about paradox is the opposite of what you think to be true. And uh, it's really the opposite and that kind of thing. It's flipping the switch. It's upside down from what you thought it was. You have to be blind to see, you know, you have to be weak to be strong, these kind of things. Is that we we tend to think that when we're doing those things that we're not doing anything. But we actually are doing something. Actually more powerful than what we probably would have done. And let me give you an example. Is somebody says something you know, hurtful to me, and I want to say something back to them, mm. right? And I don't. That's but, being still. Right. But that's doing something. That's very much so doing something. Right. And so that's what I'm talking about. And the Bible's full of how our tongue is one of the most evil things. Yeah. And at the same time, we can use it to glorify God and we can do it, use it to help, pe- to cause people to stumble. First um, Peter 3.10 says, for whoever would love life, and see good days, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. If I'm not doing that, then I'm seeing good days. If I'm not doing that, I'm loving life. Those are things that I am doing. And in that stillness, in the midst of somebody's um, adversity towards me, and I don't say anything, and maybe instead what I do is I replace it with words of kindness, yeah, you know, or I can just simply say, I understand, yeah, you know, and, and I walk away and I'm not there to defend myself. I'm not, over time, what happens or what should happen is that the person who is your adversary um, starts to see that there actually has been change in your life because you weren't doing that stuff before, yeah, you know, and, you know, what do we do instead of worry? We pray. Yeah. What do we do instead of being fearful? We we seek fellowship with others. But what do we do instead of uh, thinking the worst? Uh, we we um, have gratitude and thankfulness. Yeah, and right? so so let's even dive deeper in that, man. Because now we're now we're talking to the planet, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking to our, just our alumni, although we are. When that fear, depression, anxiety, uneasiness, worry comes. What do you do? Well, Bruce hit it on the head. You pray, you dive in, you seek God. But but here's what I want to tell you. Don't hide it and run from it. Acknowledge that I am worrying about this and it is something inside of me and it should be an indicator that, okay, why am I not trusting God here? Why am I not? I've seen him do big things. And allow that moment, that feeling, that um, 
thief of your stillness, of your peace, allow that to be an indicator that through this depression right now, I'm going to press in to God. Mm-hmm. Through this worry, I'm going to press in to God. Allow it to be the conviction that it needs to be. Come in and draw you back to a place of God and let him be your blanket, right? Let him be your warmth. Let him be your your stillness. Let that still, small voice just pierce your heart and press into it. Don't run from it and don't woe is me it. Don't be a victim. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll give you one real example um, without using any names. There was somebody that I was coaching in the program at one time, and this could be actually many people because it's the same scenario. Uh, the person was married. The The, the marriage was in, um, in, a, in a bad situation because of the addiction, because of the person coming into our program. And the things that he he's done, you know, um, and so it, the the spouse, the the wife was, you know, questioning everything. And in learning their relationships, working with both of them, there, although the wife wasn't the one that was dealing with addiction, uh, there were some things in her life that she hasn't dealt with that was causing problems in the relationship. Also, uh, of course, she's not willing to look at that because what's apparent is the addiction and the, the the bad things that happened out of that that caused most of the havoc, you know. Um, and as the man, you know, was growing in his faith and, and learning um, objectivity and a new perspective, you know, he was having to deal with the the fact that his knowing that his wife still hasn't dealt with those things and those things were still going to be there when he got home, right? And And we talked about what he was going to do about it. And absolutely, he was right that the the woman, the wife in this in this situation, needed to grow, needed to learn some things, needed to understand what she was doing as as a partner in the relationship. Um, and he wanted so badly to point those things out to her, right? And his his argument to me all the time was, if if these things aren't fixed, then the marriage is never going to work. And I agreed with that. I told him, I said, you know, you're right. You're right eventually, if, if those things don't change in her, then there's always going to be problems. But right now is not the time to deal with that stuff. And you have to trust that God is totally aware of this stuff and that God wants your marriage to work. And that if you put your trust in Him and be still about those things and focus on the things that God is having you do right now, um, then those things have a better chance of working themselves out. And there might be a time in the future out of love, you might be able to approach that with her once she's learned to trust you again, once she sees what's the sincerity of what's happened to you in your life, and once she knows that you're not coming at her out of a, a combative way to, to put her down because you're better than her and all this kind of stuff, that there there will be a proper place for those things. Yeah. And yeah. yet, and yet he still, still just struggled. Almost to the point where it's like, man, I had to give him like things to count, like to, to be still and to yeah. do, you know, so that he wouldn't do those things. Uh, but I just want to say that, man, his his agenda was righteous. Yeah. But the way he wanted to go about doing it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and and so that's what I mean by being still in adversity. I mean, and that could come out of somebody that you don't know at all. That that a complete stranger that comes at you out of adversity, and you just want to, man, this guy is totally wrong. You know he's wrong, and you just want to put him in his place, right? Yeah. Just, but you just can't do that. He's like, hey, bro, hey, bro. Four weeks ago, you're shooting heroin. You're not Dr. Phil right now. Right. Be still and listen. <laughs> <laughs> and so, man, I can only tell you from my own testimony 
that when my wife and I finally got back together after a year of my uh, recovery and walking out my faith, living in sobriety and and loving the Lord and doing my best at being righteous, that when we moved, when I moved back into my own house with my wife, right, yeah. uh, man, I had to be a punching bag. Yeah. And what ended up actually happening, and this is the most beautiful thing, um, is that my wife, because of the way I used to be, was always in a protective, yeah. you know, mode and always in a survival mode with me. There were things in her life that she never allowed herself to deal with, you know, her own baggage, her own hurt and trauma. Yeah. That when she finally saw that she could trust me, when she finally saw the sincerity of what God had done in my life, and she was seeing the things I was doing out of love towards her, that she allowed herself to come out of that mode of survival and protective because she could actually trust the man that she always wanted to trust. Mm. She fell apart, dude. She went crazy. She God was starting to show her the things in her life that she had to deal with. Mm. And she fell apart, man. And what I thought was getting better got completely bad for a period of time. Mm. And God showed me a new way to love her. And it wasn't because I was going to point out all these bad things that she was doing. It was because, man, I had to recognize, look, well, now it's her turn. Now it's her turn to fall apart and for me to be there for her and to be the punching bag again because things were coming out just out of anger and just because she was going crazy. Yeah. Because she was in denial about the things she had to deal with. And, you know, like most people, you know, when you're in denial, you play a victim and you just want to hurt the next person next to you, you know? And I had to take that stuff. But that's what happens in relationships. That's what happens when brokenness finds hope. That's what happens when clarity comes out of darkness, you know? And you just have to, you have to deal with that. You have to be still in those moments and know that God is at work. And, and live out the way things God's calling you to live out, knowing that that's going to be your best outcome, not to fight it. You know? Yeah, let me add to that. Just in the aspect of the verbiage, uh, being a punching bag. So what Bruce is explaining is something from a very mature Christian man perspective that God's led to that. Uh, and, and being that for his home, his wife. Um, so, so just be clear because what we're not advocating for is that you just get beat up all the time right? or, or most definitely not right. physical harm. I don't know. Well, no. Is. Yeah. I don't even mean emotional or verbal. You're, it, be, just hear us say that. We feel like we have to clarify that even though the, the last episode we talked about was objective, objectivity and truth. <laughs> Please understand what we're not saying is that you're going to be a emotional punching bag for your spouse the rest of your life. No, there, there's boundaries and things like that that are set up. But God gave him a peace. You heard him say that. And so he knew the limitations of that. Um, so just be aware. Yeah, know? I had to walk away a yeah. lot of times. You know, it wasn't I just stood there and took it. Uh, I had to walk away and I had to go in a room and I had to pray for her. And yeah, and if he wasn't being shown fruit of walls being torn down in his wife's life or, or whatever the situation, it wasn't something that he was just doing because, oh, well, this is my life now. This is just always going to be this way. This is just it because I deserve it. No, he knew what God was doing or not. not or I had hope. hope. Yeah, he, he <laughs> saw what God was doing, right? So, but yeah, but yeah. Being still in adversity is a hard thing, guys. That That's the time we have for today. That's the episode. But just think, trust God. Lean in right now. If, if you're worrying, if you're angry, if whatever the response is because of adversity in your life, 
allow it to be an indicator. Press into what God says, his promises, his yeah. love. And don't lose heart. Have hope yes. that God is a good God and that his outcomes are meant to be good, not bad. Get out of the the ditch of thinking, man, that this is just going to go on forever and it's just going to get worse and worse. And have some faith. Yeah. At least have some hope. Time will tell. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good episode. This is Life After Addiction. Amen. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. What happens when a writer and former history teacher goes toe-to-toe with his best friend, a nationally touring stand-up comedian? Total carnage, that's what. Two men enter, and two men leave, because that's how it works. (laughs) Actually, you get hilarious, real, and insightful conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. Join me, comedian Johnny W., and my pal, author and speaker John Driver for Talk About That at lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.